Please join with me as we pray. Father, we thank you that you are a faithful and loving Father. You are set apart. You are so above and beyond what we can comprehend, yet you have drawn near to us. You have made yourself known to us and ultimately you revealed your heart and you've revealed your face through your son, Jesus. And when we see him, we see you. We also thank you for your Holy Spirit who is here right now. And we thank you that no matter where we are on our spiritual journey, your spirit is gently guiding us, counselling us and drawing us to you, Father God. So we come here today, not as outsiders, but we are welcomed. We are warmed by your love, warmed by your embrace and warmed by your welcome. And we say to you, God, we want to know not just about you, we want to know you and we want to obey and trust you, even if it's tough. So Lord, help us to not just hear your word, but to understand it and to live it out in our lives. We believe by faith that your ways are better than our ways. And for those of us that are struggling to trust you, I pray that you don't just overwhelm us by what we need to do, but you overwhelm us by your love and your kindness. So we are able to trust you as we leave this place. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please be seated. It's great to be here and what a thrill just to see a a sea of little people down the front. It was awesome, awesome. And um, I just hear such good reports of the, the children's ministry in this church. And may it be the start and not the end, hey? Who knows what God wants to do? Just when I looked across the little faces and I just think, man, there's some personalities there. There's some personalities and 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 that's just in uh, Ali and Andrew's family. <laughs> oh man, I love your girls. They just like honestly, just looking at them just brings me so much happiness. And the uniqueness of each of them, I just I just I I, I love them and I don't actually see them that often, but whenever I see them I'm like, "Oh, I love those girls." I'm sure that they'd be really easy to parent and not strong and independent. Uh, women, but um, they're, they're fantastic. I wonder when people find out if you're a Christian, and I, I'm aware in a room this size, there's some people that aren't Christians or are still working out what, what it means to be a Christian, so I don't want to exclude you. Um, like I said in that prayer just then, I believe we're all on a spiritual journey. There's no one in this room that's made it. Amen. If you've made it, you can come up and take over from me and Jesus and I will leave the room and you can take over um, because no, none of us have made it. And so you're here for a reason, but majority of us in this room would identify as being followers of Jesus and I wonder what people at your workplace would expect of you when they hear that you're a Christian or I wonder what's some of your distant cousins at Christmas time, if the, the word goes around that, oh yeah, that's the Christian one. What do they expect of you? Do they expect more of you? Or do they expect less of you? I don't know. I remember when I was working in McDonald's, that great training ground of future champions, when I was a teenager and the reputation got around that I was a Christian and so... Um, if someone would swear, they'd say, don't swear, he's the holy man. It was this like kid, this punk kid who used to call me the holy man. And I'm like, can you not call me the holy man? I'm seriously not offended if you swear, but he just thought it was funny. And so he spread it around. And so whenever anyone would swear, they'd say, don't swear, you'll offend the holy man. And I'm like, oh man, this is just not the reputation I want as a teenager. As a teenager. Um, and that's, but that's what, when you think of Christian, you think of someone that would be offended by the odd swear word. I remember when I was in my first workplace as, as a young adult and that I would sometimes get conveniently left off the list of post-work drinks, mainly because I was a bit... I was a sheltered Christian schoolboy and I was invited up to drinks on Oxford Street in Sydney. We worked on the corner of Oxford Street and that's like the 
the, the central of Sydney's like gay neighbourhood and, and people go out for drinks after work and, and I think once I said, oh no thanks because I had to get back home and do something and so I just, I, I got that reputation, I don't go out with my work colleagues for drinks after work and I, after a while I thought, is that really the reputation I want? The, the, the Christian that does not celebrate and converse with my work colleagues because they go to a pub up on, well, it was a pub that becomes a club, but by the time I would have left, it wouldn't be a club. <laughs> and, and so I, I had to make a conscious decision to actually insert myself into that social group and say, hey, guys, I'm going to come out for post-work drinks, whatever that looks like, because I wanted to build relationships with my work colleagues. I had a reputation. I think sometimes we as Christians, an interesting question would be, how can I surprise the people in my world that are not followers of Jesus in a good way? Not to disappoint them, not to perpetuate negative stereotypes, but how can I surprise them that God loves them, that I'm a real person, and that my Christian faith connects with ordinary life and I can live with people that I disagree with and I can impact their life. Wouldn't it be great if we could all surprise the world in positive ways? There's a book by Dan Kinnaman called Unchristian. It came out about 10 years ago and they surveyed Christians in America. No, no, people in America, just general population they ask them when they they associate with the word christian and particularly evangelical christianity and the three overwhelming stereotypes of what christians are all about were judgmental hypocritical and homophobic and i think if you were to stereotype or or, or to assess the negative stereotypes of aussies towards christianity judgmental hypocritical and homophobic they would be close to the top three And so as followers of Jesus, isn't it fantastic that we don't follow a religious hypocrite and we don't follow a judgmental bigot? We follow the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, who disarmed people with his message but also with his love and also with his power and also with his authority and his ability to connect and incarnate into areas where Religious people would rarely tread. We follow a wonderful Jesus and I think it's a great challenge to me and I hope it's a challenge to you to take the message of Jesus, not just the truth of Jesus, but the way of Jesus and the life of Jesus to the communities in which we live and we surprise them and we disarm them. See, the early Christians had a reputation and I'm sure... Uh, New Testament scholars like Damien would be able to tell you a lot more about this than me. But, and I just got to cuddle Damien's new baby daughter and um, it was very special. Thank you for letting me. I'm notorious for grabbing babies and trying to not give them back, so thank you. But but time and time again in in the the ancient world, the authorities and this is secular histories, you can read they were confounded by the Christian faith and they were confused. And I think it would be good if people were confused about us, that they couldn't put us in a box and they'd say, there's something about those Christians I do not understand. I don't understand this forgiveness thing. I don't understand this loving your neighbour thing. I don't understand the fact that the young care about the elderly and the elderly care about the young and that different nationalities and different cultural groups care about one another. I don't get the fact that they meet together every week and they share meals together and what they own, they don't think is just for them, it's for others and I don't get it. And they were mocked because people just didn't get them and the good news is that if you're a follower of Jesus, You should look like a freak some of the time. But not the kind of freak that drives people away, the kind of freak that makes people say, what is it about you? What drives you? What motivates you? One of my favourite stories in the New Testament is in the book of Philemon. 
and I've got the text, I'll put the text up in a moment, but Philemon was a wealthy man in Colossae and he had had a radical transformation in his life. God had turned his life upside down and had changed the orientation of his heart away from himself towards others. And so earlier in the book of Philemon, Paul commends him and he says, Philemon, you have blessed others and you have encouraged others and my heart has been refreshed by the way you've not just refreshed me, but you've refreshed others, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so he had a reputation for being someone that invested and deposited into other people's lives. Wouldn't that be wonderful if you had a reputation? Oh yeah, I know that woman, I know that man. They have a reputation for depositing and giving and loving other people more than themselves. They don't use their platform and their stature for self-feeding. They give and they love and they are generous. That was his reputation because God had turned his heart around. But previously he had had a slave called Onesimus. And Onesimus had not just escaped and, and run away, but Onesimus had stolen, likely sto- he would have likely have stolen money from him. And so he had not only escaped and run away, but he had stolen from Philemon and caused him great, not just discomfort, but financial damage. And who knows the damage that it caused to his business interests or who knows how much money he would have actually taken. And while he was away, he encountered the story, the the, the message of the gospel and his heart was radically transformed. He received the Holy Spirit into his life and he became a follower of Christ. And he became friends with the Apostle Paul and he tended to Paul and became a a helper of the Apostle Paul when Paul was in prison. And then Paul decided, I'm going to do something radical. I'm going to send this former slave, Onesimus, I'm going to send him back to his former master, Philemon. I'm going to see what happens. And then we have a book of the Bible called Philemon. It's one chapter. If you're feeling... Like you just want to achieve something today. What did you do say? I read a book. I read Philemon. You can do it in about a minute 17. Good for your self-esteem. Let's read together from verse 8. Therefore, the Apostle Paul's writing to Philemon, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to have kept him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favour you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave but better than a slave, as a dear brother." He's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. This is amazing. This is amazing. So imagine the people around Philemon. Imagine them knowing that what Onesimus had done, and Paul later says, hey, if he owes you money, if you need money, I'll pay you myself for what you're owed. But he says, I want you to accept him back, not begrudgingly, not just because you tolerate him, but I want you to embrace him and to bless him and love him, not because he deserves it, but because he is a brother. On the basis of what Christ has done in you, Philemon, According to the grace that has been given you, you are loved, you are accepted, you are forgiven. I want you to love, accept and forgive and receive Onesimus, not as a slave, but as a brother. It's a powerful story. You see, Paul is, I actually just found out this recently that not only was Onesimus a slave who became a brother, but church tradition 
tells us that it's likely he became the bishop of Ephesus. Isn't that amazing what God's grace can do? God's grace can take someone from being a slave to a brother to being a bishop, overseeing multiple churches in an amazing area. Paul is saying to Philemon, you have every right to point the finger. You have every right to clench the fist, but I want you to receive your brother and to bless him. Do you think everyone in his world, Philemon's world, would have been, that's crazy. Chuck him in prison. Whip him, punish him. Have him killed, whatever it is. Like there needs to be justice. Isn't your God a God of justice? And Paul is saying, you are going to surprise the world because I'm calling you to receive him as a brother like God has received you. It's a powerful story. And I reckon people back then, and I reckon Philemon, when he read it, he would have been, yep, don't get it. And hopefully the Holy Spirit would have worked on his heart. It reminded me of this iconic scene from a great family movie called Braveheart. (laughs) I tried to sneak in to watch this movie when I was 14 with my friend and we weren't allowed because we were too young so I had to go with my friend and his dad. Lots of awkwardness in that time. And it's this scene where William Wallace, the love of his life has been killed. I'm sorry if I've wrecked the story for you. She has been killed and that man standing over him is her father. And imagine being her father and knowing that your daughter would still be alive today if it wasn't for Mel Gibson. That your daughter had been executed because of the actions that you took. And, And at the funeral, this is the scene at the funeral, and William Wallace, he falls to his knees, almost saying, forgive me, have mercy on me. And I love this scene because what he does is the father, he clenches his fist and he's shaking and I'm thinking he just wants to smash him. He just wants to unleash. And I reckon he wanted to hit him or he wanted to curse him. Because when people have hurt us, what do you want to do? You want to hurt them or you want to curse them? You want to say, I hope bad things happen to you. I hope you get what's coming your way. I hope you're never happy again. But something, he's able to control himself and he blesses him. Isn't that powerful when you don't deserve it? But someone, rather than hitting you when you're down, rather than pointing the finger and cursing you, they receive you and they bless you. Do you know what? Do you know why I think this is important for us to surprise the world? Because my understanding of God is that God has done that for me. While I was a dirty, rotten sinner, God didn't just point the finger and shame me. He didn't try to punish me. He actually received me. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. What does that mean? That in Christ, God has received me. He hasn't just accepted me. He has blessed me in Christ. And I have all the riches of Christ's And all the love of God in Christ poured into my life. That I, this is not something that I will one day receive. I have received the blessing of God. What does it mean to be blessed? The Greek word for blessing is is, is the, the, the word eulogy. So when I bless David, we have David, we have David, we have David. David's galore. When I bless Davids, what I'm doing is I'm speaking well of them. I'm eulogising them. And so if I was to bless David, I would not tell you of his flaws and his faults. I would speak well of him. I would honour him. I would lift him up and I would paint a picture of him that the man he is at his best. I remember when my dad turned 60, I had this irrational fear that he would pass away before I got to tell him all the things I wanted to tell him. So I said, Dad, at your 60th birthday, I'm going to read out your eulogy. And I did that. Because I just always knew that 
I would not forgive myself if I didn't do it. Because sometimes we say the nicest things about people when they're gone. It's true, isn't it? What would it look like if we could eulogise people because God has eulogised us? He speaks well of you. He doesn't, if God was to walk around this room, he wouldn't say, hypocrite, backslider, sings out of tune. No, son, daughter, if only you saw what I could see. Let me tell you, family, what I see in my daughter, what I see in my son. He eulogises us, he blesses us. And that's why Paul could ask Philemon to bless Onesimus. And that's why I believe that if we want to surprise the world, we will knock people's socks off, not with our perfection and not with our production, but with the way we bless those that sometimes don't deserve it. Jesus blessed people. Let's have a look at how he blessed people in Mark chapter 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. Imagine just this. Imagine the parents that prioritised to bring their children to Jesus. They didn't have cars back then. They didn't have McDonald's drive through to pacify the kids. These parents, I imagine some of them might have been single parents. I imagine some of them might have had kids that are sick. Some of these parents might have been desperate and they might have heard of this rabbi, this teacher, and they might have said, we are going to prioritise getting our kids to Jesus because even if we don't know who he is or what he's done, we just if, if he is who he says he is, we want his blessing on our kids. And so they did what it took to get their kids to Jesus. Out in the middle of nowhere and what happened? His disciples, his closest friends rebuked them. Rebuked these parents as if to say these kids are not worthy of Jesus' time right now. Or you and your kids are not worthy. Let me tell every person in this room, there's always going to be someone in your life to tell you that there's other people in your world that aren't worthy of blessing. They're unworthy. And there's always going to be a little voice in your head saying, just look after the people that love you. Just look after yourself because you're the most important person in the world. And there's always going to be a voice saying, don't worry about the people out there. Just worry about right here. It's not the way of the kingdom. When Jesus saw this, he was ropeable, indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed them, placed his hands on them and blessed them. I love Jesus because what he does is he doesn't just say, he doesn't just say, come on, parents, just line up here and I will I will bless them from afar or I will lay my... No, no, he grabs them. He grabs them. Fully grown man and he, he, he embraces them and he blesses them. I would have liked to think he prayed to the Father for them and he just dedicated them, touched them, honoured them. Just a few reflections on the way Jesus blesses these children. Everyone in this room, point number one, we get to bless those who are unworthy. Now, those children weren't unworthy, but Jesus' friends thought they were unworthy, unimportant. You're going to have friends in your life that have let you down. You know how you can surprise them? By blessing them. It doesn't mean that you let them back into your trust. It doesn't mean that you become best friends again. But there's people that they might not be worthy of being your best friends. and They might not be worthy of trusting everything in their hands, but they are worthy of blessing because God has blessed you and they need love and blessing. That there's people in your life that have made poor life choices and God forbid that we be Christians that judge people that are addicted to substances or people that are in situations because of their own poor choices because you and I have all been in situations when we are in holes that have been through our own digging. 
And we have all needed God's mercy and grace to come and bless us and touch us. And so God has spoken well of us even when we're at our worst. And so what does that mean? That there's people that are unworthy of your, that are unworthy of blessing in the eyes of the world, but you get and we get to bless them. And when we bless them, people will say, why do you do that? And you can say, it's because God has been very gracious to me and I just want to love people. We get to bless those that are forgotten. Who are the forgotten people in our society? Who are the people that fly under the radar? I think, I think the elderly. I think single people often. Particularly people like my wife and I, we've, we're married, we've got kids. It's very easy to get caught in the, the married with kids bubble and neglect single people that might go for a whole week without eating with another person. It's easy to neglect. What about people with disabilities? They are silenced in our community. And and often if you go down to the shops, you just don't see people with disabilities because it's so hard for them just to get out and they have to have significant help with carers. And it's like, it's very easy when you're at the shops to to see a person with a, a, a serious disability walk past. It's very easy to bounce your eyes off because you don't want to look at that. And so what do you do? You look at the beautiful person over there and, or the really handsome person and you compare yourself to them and you say, oh man, I wish I could be like them. And God has just sent a person with a disability past your way and you could look at them in the eye and give them dignity, but you have unseen them. We get to bless those that are unworthy. We get to bless those that are forgotten. Just this week, I, was talk- I, I, I shared on this message last week at the Seton Christian Family Centre. And just this week, I've had some reports from people. They said, I have been reaching out to single elderly people that are in retirement situations, nursing homes, and just God has been putting on my heart to reach out to them. In fact, one of my good friends, Michaela, she's a young mum. She's got a busy, complicated life. She's got a little daughter called Ava. How old's Ava? Three. But Ava is just like alpha woman on steroids. She's just this bold and brave and brash. And Michaela just said, you know what? We're going, we've actually, we're going to a nursing home and we are just going to, and we've, we've already asked and we said we want to just go around and encourage the people that haven't been visited for a while. And she said, I'm really nervous and I'm not really outgoing, but Ava's there and Ava's not scared of anything. So I'm just going to send her into every room before me and she'll do the work. It's like the Holy Spirit going before her, except it's Ava. And, um, and isn't that good? That's just a simple message. This is not a complicated message, but this is God gripping someone's heart and saying, I want to go and visit people that no one else visits. Can you imagine the staff at that nursing home saying, wow, who is this mum? that cares about people she's not related to. We get to bless people that come into our path. Just last week, I met this some guy that was freaking out because he couldn't pay for his petrol. And I was able to pay for his petrol, a small little thing. But he wanted to hug me afterward. I'm like, mate, give me some personal space. Strike a light. But I felt like this guy was about to flip out. He was about to lose control of his emotions. He'd obviously been going through a tough time. Just a small act of kindness. You see, um, the other day, Nikki came home from the shops and she said, Tim, I've given my mobile number to a random man. And I said, oh, thanks for telling me. But this is a man that was at the shops that was in such a bad way and he smelt so bad that you could smell him from the other side of the shopping centre. And what do people do to people like that? You avoid them. But my wife goes up and blesses him and, acknowledges him, asks him if he's okay. He says, can I give you my number? Can you call me if you need anything? And just to make sure that he's got family, that he's got people looking after him. Because how do you know if you don't ask, if you don't treat people as human beings made in the image of God? God brings people along your path all the time. And it doesn't have to be your best friends. It can be people that just God brings across your path and it's an opportunity to bless. And it's like, oh, well, here's an opportunity to bless. I bet God has orchestrated for me to bless them. And sometimes it costs you nothing. How do you bless people? Words of affirmation. Blessing people with your words. It's my favourite because it's the cheapest. Gifts is another way. It's my least favourite. It costs too much. And then 
um, acts of service. But that takes a lot of time. You know, just, just this week, um, just this week, our, our son, our middle son has got autism and we never thought he'd be in a mainline school. He just did his reception um, worship production. He goes to a Lutheran school and he did a line, uh, he, did, he, he, he rehearsed his lines in front of the whole school and he nailed it and he got laughter and he was, uh, he was an acolyte so he had to wear like the robes and he had to light the candles. And I'm thinking, man, they gave my son fire. Um, and the teacher specifically chose him and looked after him and they prepared him so that he could kick a goal. And his first reception kind of production that he was involved in, he nailed it. He was like, he, he was so confident and he had a great experience. And so afterwards, Nikki wrote the teacher an email, but it was like ultra specific. And I, I just watched the way Nikki wrote this email because it's very easy to say, oh, thanks for that. Hey, thanks, mate. That was great. But that's not really blessing people. Thanks, that was awesome. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks. But that's not what it's talking about. When Nikki wrote the email, it was specific. She said, Talia, let me tell you, I just want to acknowledge I saw what you did in giving Josiah that line. You gave him the funniest line in the whole production so he'd get laughter. You stood him next to you so that if anything went wrong, you would be right there to help him. That you stood him on the end of the line so he wouldn't knock anyone out with his awkward dancing. You know, like there's just point by point all the things that, as a mother, Nikki saw that the teacher accounted for so that her son could thrive. There's like all these points. And then Nikki said when she picked Josiah up from school at the end of the day, the teacher was just in tears and just hugged her. And I, because there's power in blessing people and encouraging people and thanking people with specific blessing, saying, I want to be specific in the things I appreciate about you. It's, um, it's a powerful thing. It's a really powerful thing. Another scripture about this whole area of blessing is that, that I love is Hebrews 10. It says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Is it 11.21 or 11.16 right now? Okay, I rebuke that clock in Jesus' name. You just freak me out, man. Freak me out, that's not fair. All right. I love this passage because in the New Living it says, let us think up ways to spur one another on. My first point about this passage is this. If we want to bless people, if we want to add value to people's life, if we want to deposit blessing and speak well of each other, be creative. Think up ways to spur each other on. Be creative. Imagine if you used your creative imagination that you've used, that you're going to use for your next family holiday. All of the getting on, you know, Jetstar or Webjet or Flight Center and, and, and scheming with friends and family. We use creativity all the time for ourselves. We use creativity to schedule our lives. We use creativity to solve problems. But what if we were creative? And what if after church, when you're having some of Simeon's amazing coffee, you just allow that spiritual gift of coffee to fill your body and, and, and then the coffee intersects with the Holy Spirit and godly company and you just say, let's be creative in helping someone. Can you imagine what kind of creative ideas the Holy Spirit might give you? Imagine if rather than gossiping or slandering or saying, oh, I'm really worried about that person, we actually say, hey, I'm worried about that person. Let's be creative in a way that we can speak a word of affirmation to them. We can do an act of kindness towards them or we can give them a gift that's going to turn them around, that's going to disproportionately, I mean, some people, a word of affirmation, a specific encouragement can change your day, your week, your month, your year, your life. It's amazing. Some of us would not be here today without someone blessing us. Some of us would not have made it where we are today if it wasn't for someone reaching out to us when we thought no one even noticed us. Imagine if we as a church could look out for people needing job opportunities, housing options, Creative solutions. Be creative. Let us consider, think up ways we may spur each other on towards love and good deeds. Number one, be creative. Number two, change your focus. 
What if we as a church could say, what can I do for my church? Not as an institution, not as an organisation, but as a body, as people. Imagine if every Sunday you came to church saying this, what can I do today to bless at least one other person this Sunday? The great thing about it is if the preacher is getting really boring, you can be thinking about how you can bless someone and it's never boring. And, and, and if you come to church and you're like, oh, Sam was a bit flat with his worship and you know he's still you know, recovering from his amazing 10-day holiday with our kids, suffering for Jesus. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not jealous at all, guys, just a little bit. Nikki and I just had two nights away without kids and it was just like an out-of-body experience and I'm like, 10 days, oh my goodness, Jesus. Um, but, but imagine if you came to church saying the focus of church is that I want to spur others on towards following Christ. And if you did that, your, your focus won't be, yeah, the worship wasn't great. It's like, no, no, I was participating in the worship of God by serving others and blessing others. And when you have that mentality, you enjoy the worship a lot more. And you enjoy the fellowship a lot more and you are are so much more receptive to hearing from God through the preaching of the Word. It's amazing. I would say to everyone in this church, don't wait for permission to bless someone. You don't need a PhD or a pastor's credential. Just say, God has... I'm a child of God and I'm here to encourage other people to keep on going. And do you know that sometimes the most encouraging thing you can do is just acknowledging someone, sitting next to someone, putting your hand on their shoulder and just your presence in their life. And point number three, what does it say? Don't forsake meeting together is something in the habit of doing. Be regular at church. Don't rob people of your gift. Do you know how discouraging it would be for David Rax if... The word got around that he was uh, leading the meeting today and three quarters of you decided, yeah, I'm not going to go to church this week. I mean, that would be really, it's, it's like, you know, Dave gets up to lead and it's like, is this rehearsal or is this the real thing? It's so discouraging. Imagine when you love people. Imagine if you have a Christmas family dinner and you've invited the whole family and no one turns up. It's discouraging. What's the opposite of discouragement? Encouragement. It's encouraging when Christian brothers and sisters say we're going to meet together not because we religiously have to or legalistically have to, but because we're children of God and because we're family, we choose to meet together once a week. Not because we'll be punished by God, but because we love to worship and adore God in the context of our brothers and sisters. And I would say to every Christian, it doesn't have to be legalistic to say, we are making a commitment to go to church on Sunday and to meet up with other Christians once a week in a small group environment. That's not legalistic. That's Christianity. It's been happening for 2,000 years. Meeting in larger groups, meeting in homes. This is really important because not just so you'll receive, but you are a gift. Our priority is glorifying and worshipping God. Our second priority is other people. But when you have that predisposition, when you have that openness in your heart, you will actually get fed you will receive as much as you give. It's amazing. So what's my challenge? This is the last slide. This week, what if this church, CFC Hills, is able to become a church that blesses others? I don't think God is going to zap you overnight and say, I'm going to make you a generous person. Praise the Lord and all your family is going to be relieved. Now, what he's going to do is he's going to give you the ability to start blessing people week in, week out, so that after a period of weeks and months, you become a generous person because your focus is not on self, it's towards how can I bless others, particularly those that don't deserve it. I'd like you to think of one person within this community of faith that needs encouragement, that needs blessing. I'd like you to think of one person who is not yet a follower of Christ who you can bless this week. Send them a text message. Invite them over for dinner. Go and just do something for them. Just ask them if they need any help with their yard. 
Ask them if they need any help with their family. Visit a retirement home. Visit someone that's doing it tough. The great thing about this message is it's for everyone. You don't have to be a spiritual dynamo because what it's saying is, hey, you might not have it all together, but God has given you something because he has blessed you with the love and forgiveness of God so that you can bless others. This is for everyone. I wonder, church, this week, if every person in this room blessed two people, encouraged, loved, served, gave. The way it would change the spiritual climate of the church and the community. And I wonder if more and more people would come into this church saying, we were just confused by these Christians. Not by their hypocrisy, but by their love and the fact that they cared and they blessed when no one else was really noticing. The great thing about blessing is it doesn't require a particular spiritual gift. I mean, I don't have to feel like, oh, God's given me a prophetic word. Can I just bless a few people? Ben, it's Ben, right? Can I just say, what I'm doing now is I'm eulogising you, not in a morbid way, but I'm just going to speak well of you because I notice things and I'm not, this is not God's giving me secret insight. I'm just blessing you to show how easy it is. Ben, whenever I come to this church, when I see the way you love your kids, it makes me want to be a better dad. And you can't fake that. And I just want to bless you, Ben. I see it, brother. I see it. It's beautiful. And don't, maybe this is becoming a bit prophetic now, but I want to tell you this, that spills over. People are watching you and the impact that you have People see your father's heart and they see it. So that's just me blessing you. Do, is that, is that a, an accurate blessing? Fantastic. Hey, David, I just thank you. I bless you. You, you are a, a godly servant. Thank you. Thank you for the way you serve. Do you know the ministry in the church that has the most pressure with the least recognition is this one. So thank you. Good and faithful servant. Keep in doing it. And I trust that God's going to give you strategy and ability to help other people come along the team so that when you want to have a holiday, there's more people ready to go. But And, you know, you're a family man, but I just want to bless you. Thank you for allowing other people to do what they're called to do by you doing what you're called to do. I want to bless you. Um, Hannah? Shane, just Hannah, last year I was here and you led worship and God's, I just want to say that when you led worship, I just experienced the presence of God and so how can I, what can I say as a result of that? Just don't lean back, lean forward. God's given you a gift, grow it. It's not the finished product. So yeah, I just want to. Bless you for the way you bless me with your worship leading. Thank you. And Shane, I don't really know you that well, but I just want to thank you for being a protective and loyal husband. I just want to bless you for doing the things that no one else sees. Bless you. I want to... Um, oh, Kerry, just hear great things about you. I just want to bless you. I love, we know so many South Africans called Kerry. They're everywhere. Godly women called Kerry. Simeon, coffee man, that's awesome. Thank you for using your gift. Oh, is it Simon? It's Simon, right? Simon Simeon. I'm doing pretty well with the names, but this is confusing, guys. Too many Davids, too many Simeons, Simons. This guy, he volunteered for... The launch service for CFC South, like we're not a big church. We had a lot of people for our first Sunday, which was very exciting. Um, And a lot of just one-offs. And we needed an extra coffee cart. And this man came down and he gave hours and hours and hours of his time to help serve coffees. Isn't that fantastic? I just want to bless you. Thank you. There we go. Some of you, you know what it tells about people's personality? When, when people do stuff like this, 
Some people, they look down and like, oh God, no. He better not say. And then there's other people, they're like, please be me next. I think that tells you whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. Why don't we stand to our feet? I invite the music team. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for... I want to thank you for your grace and your love and your kindness. I thank you that you have not been stingy with your children. You have been generous. And I thank you that you have poured blessing, favour, forgiveness, love, acceptance into our lives. You speak well of us and you don't curse us, you bless us. And Lord, right now I pray for everyone in this room that you give us someone on our heart that we can bless. Lord, someone outside the church, someone outside the community of faith that we know God has put them on our heart and we can't be their Lord and Saviour, but we can bless them. And right now I just pray as people say, God, give me someone in my heart. I pray you just start dropping names, start dropping hearts, start dropping faces into our minds so we can know, God, I'm going to bless that person this week. And Lord, also within our community of faith, those that are doing it tough or those that you're prompting us to step out and to bless, I pray that this church will be known by the way it loves one another and that there's health and there's vibrancy and there's encouragement within. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just thank you, Lord. I just pray right now that we won't bless as a dead work, but we'll bless as a result of the finished work of Jesus and the fact that we have the Holy Spirit living in us, moving through us to bless others. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to... I actually just want to do something a bit... Sorry, I should have said this before you got up, Sam. It'd be great to just get the the leadership team and um, if you've got your and, and your partners here, I'd just like to pray over the leadership team of the church to bless them. Do you reckon that'd be a good idea? Yeah, can we just have the leadership team come out the front? Don't worry, I know we're over time. I won't pray too long. Can we just can you guys just come down the front? Can we have some keys? Just some tick tickle the ivories for us. Beautiful. Any of Dan? Cool. Oh, there's Jess. Is Wayne here? No. That's all right. Hey, church, can we just um, bless? I just think sometimes you don't know what your leaders carry. There's a, there's a burden, there's a heaviness. And so I just... In Galatians 6, it says, carry each other's burdens out of reverence for Christ. And so um, I just thought it'd be great. I've been talking about people outside the church and those that are doing it tough and those that are forgotten. The chances are these guys aren't forgotten. You know, they're not anonymous people. But what can some of be forgotten is some of the burden that they carry. And I just think as a church family, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. And it would be great to carry each other's burdens and just to bless these guys. And just to just to pour into their lives. So can we do that, church? Extend your hand and just um, let's pray for these guys. I might get Nikki to pray as well. Is that right? Yeah. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for what you are doing in this church and for this amazing community of believers. I thank you that when this group of people gather together, You are so happy and you see so much good happening from the children through to the adults and that this community represents so much of what your dream for this earth is. Of People coming together from different um, ages, different backgrounds with with a common thing and that's you. And Lord, I just thank you for each and every person on this leadership team. I thank you, Lord, for their hearts. I thank you for their faith. Lord, I just pray that you stir their faith. Stir their faith, Father. I thank you that you are a God that unites. And I thank you for the unity of this team. 
Lord, I pray that you encourage them deep in their hearts. Encourage them, Lord. Give them strength for the things that they need to be strong. And Lord, may they be able to lean into you and also lean into others in the areas where they need your help. But God, I just thank you for the anointing over your people here, Lord. Lord, I pray that you just strengthen them, carry them, give them wisdom, give them faith and lead them in every way. We thank you for what you're doing, God. We thank you in advance for the future of this church and the things that we haven't seen yet. And I pray that you bless their families. I pray for a special blessing over their families, Lord. Protect their families. May their time together be full of joy and peaceful, Lord. May their time in their home, may their homes be a place of peace, a place of joy, a place of rest. Thank you, Lord, for them. Yes, Father, we just thank You for this team. Lord, we thank You for Wayne and Angela. Lord, I pray for everyone in this church. I thank You that we believe in the priesthood of all believers, that we all have access to God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son and through the beautiful Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we thank You. We thank You for all the children out in kids' church right now. And we thank You that they are not just the church of tomorrow, but they are the church of today. I thank You that they are alive in Christ, those children, so many of them, they're alive in Christ. They're not dead. They are aware of the Spirit of God. And I just pray, Lord, for this church. I pray for this leadership team. I pray that this church is able to model what it means to be a community of blessing, that they're able to model what it means to be a community that carries each other's burdens, that they are able to model what it means to be an encouraging community, that they are able to model what it means to be a community of faith, that they don't stand on their back on their heels that they are actually moving forward in faith. Lord, I pray that this church can be can, can see many, many dozens of people, even this next season, come from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and not just find acceptance in God, but find a home in the church. And so thank You for this church. Lord, we thank You for the great heritage of the last two decades and we thank You for the decades that are ahead. So bless this team, bless their families, protect their families, guide them in the way they should go and lift them up, build their capacity and give them wisdom for the season ahead. We ask this in Jesus' Name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Why don't we put our hands together and just bless these guys. Dave. Thank you, Tim. That was such a blessing. And I, you know, I'm going to say that uh, Tim and Nikki and you are such a blessing to our church and uh, you know, Jin and I were, actually more so Jin was only saying the exact same words you were talking about, yes, about blessing other people. And, you know, it's just come and just confirmed something to us, and which is fantastic. But it's great. And you've you blessed our church. And we also would like to pray for your church because and on you guys as the leaders and on your leadership team and on your church because it's a great church and, it's and you know, it's a real step of faith walking out there and, and what you're doing. So um, I'm just going to pray very quickly. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Tim and Nikki, and we thank you for their team. We thank you for their church in CFC South. Lord, that you will bless that church. Lord, that it will grow. And Lord, that you just see so much uh, in Tim and in Nikki. And Lord, that uh, they're just um, great encouragers in your name. And Lord, that you will... Um, build a great church in CFC South. And Lord, we just pray your blessing upon them. And we just thank you for bringing uh, Tim and Nikki here today. And thank you for their words of encouragement to us, Lord, that we are a family of believers and that we are all together. And we just thank you for that. In thank Jesus' name we pray. Amen.